Thank you for downloading and or pressing play on this, the very first episode of Here Be Angels. This is a podcast about Peckham and East Dulwich. Who knows, by listening you might be a small part of media history or you might be consuming a little bit of digital detritus. Clearly, we're aiming for the former. You'd be forgiven for wondering about the name. It's all tied up with the aim of this podcast, which is to reflect the reality of life in and around SE15 and SE22, meeting the people who live and work here and telling the stories that affect their lives. Newspapers and TV tend to focus on a narrow range of stories, inner city violence, shootings, drugs, guns, and a certain TV programme which we're not going to name. Not ever, because we're ignoring it. So, here be angels. Well, the latter part of the name refers to the poet William Blake. According to his Victorian biographer Alexander Gilchrist, when he was either eight or ten years old, he was walking on Peckham Rye when he witnessed... A tree filled with angels, bright angelic wings, bespangling every bough. A mural celebrating this vision can be seen on Goose Green, where Peckham and East Dulwich meet. So as for the here be part of the name, well according to Wikipedia, the phrase here be dragons refers to dangerous or unexplored territory. See newspaper and TV coverage above. So replace dragons with angels and here we are. We'll be covering a wide range of stories. In this first edition we're looking at some of the things which give this area its character. In a few minutes, Sarah Jane Griffiths reports on the Dulwich Ukulele Club. But first, Heather Davies and myself have been looking at the health of the area's two main shopping streets. Heather's been talking to some of the people who shaped Lordship Lane, while I, and my name's Richard Leeming by the way, have been in Bellenden Road. People need to support their local shops because if they don't, they will end up going. And, um, and that has massive implications on house prices, crime. You know, we don't want to end up with Bellenden being like it used to be with empty shops and then the council having to regenerate it again and pump lots of money into it again. That's Maria Walsh, one of the partners behind Fenton Walsh, a small, independent and stylish clothes shop which has been open on Bellenton Road for six years now. If a street is living, it's because businesses are making it alive, allowing people, locals, to have something going on as well for themselves. Isabel Ayala runs a newer business on Bellenton Road, Le Melange, a shop and cafe making and selling chocolate bars, ice cream, hot chocolate, Well, pretty much anything to do with chocolate. Her competitors are in Islington, Notting Hill, Covent Garden, the places you'd expect a high-class chocolatier to be. But Isabel points out that's actually made it easier for her to build her business. At the end, everybody considering Peckham as uh, the last place uh, to be in the world, uh, it's suddenly why a chocolatier, which is a luxury business, should be in Peckham. And and, and that's how, at the end, people have been talking about it. and the word has spread. Perhaps that illustrates that Peckham's image, which was a problem for Fenton Walsh in its early years, is receding. When we first opened the shop, we'd go to all the suppliers, obviously, in London and America, and they'd be like, so where's your shop? And we used to have to say Easterlich, because if we said Peckham, they would really not want to have their label in Peckham, but now we're very proud of this area, because people are getting to know about it more. Well, I recently moved back from the country. I lived in Kent and had a shop down there. And I wanted to move back to London and came to this area and was interested in buying in Peckham. But I particularly liked Bellenden Road. There was just something about it that said to me, this is on the way. The arrival of Lisa Anderson and her cafe in Delhi, Andersons, followed the development of the Wishing Well pub into the Victoria, the relaunch of the Montpellier on Schumert Road, 
The opening of SLA Pizza, where the Peckham experiment had stood empty for a couple of years, and now suddenly Bellenden Road is buzzing. And Lisa says the trend wasn't hard to spot. I noticed how many uh, builder skips there were in each of the surrounding streets. And once I'd started looking at that, I looked at all the streets surrounding and all of the scaffolding that was up. And that told me that there were lots of people moving into the area. And these were new, young, professional people who would probably be used to shopping in my kind of shop. I've been welcomed here with bottles of champagne, cards, where do you find that, you know what I mean? And it's, it's really that genuine atmosphere which still exists and which I'm afraid we lose. So, party time on Burlington Road? Hmm. Before we get carried away, Maria at Fenton Walsh sounds a note of caution. She isn't yet convinced the tipping point has been reached. No, not yet. I think, for, for us, another massive thing is Getting people to know about us. I mean, people that even live on the streets around us still do not. They'll come down here and say, oh, have you just opened? And I'll be like, I've been here six years. And they'll literally live around the corner. We advertise, we flyer, um, we Facebook, we Twitter. And people still don't know that this little area exists. We'd like some more shops on Bellenden Road. Um, it's all to do with the mass. Uh, and once you have tipped, then you are going to be solid. I think that that's what has been a problem in the past, is that shops have come and gone, and you have not had the critical mass. And looking forward over the next couple of years, everyone believes that external factors outside this leafy and still largely unknown corner of London may yet have an impact. I'm curious to see what the impact of the tube will do mm. with the overground thing. If really it will kind of bring people, curious people around or not, but because at the moment taking the train is quite discouraging in some way, you need to come around here. Until I moved here, for me, the map looked like a big hole on the map. I didn't, I didn't know what was there. I had no clue, you know. And it's also reasonable to wonder if the coming overground might have an impact on the wider community. After all, there may only be a couple of hundred yards separating Bourgeois Bondon Road from Peckham High Street, but they might as well be in different worlds. If anyone comes to see us and they go to Peckham train station, they're a bit like, oh my gosh. And you know, I'm like, turn right and then right again and then you'll get to the nice bit of Peckham. And I shouldn't have to say that, you know, it should all be nice. But the two really do not integrate together. It is, it is weird. And Maria Walsh also points out that the government could help too. This is a national problem and beyond appointing Mary Portas to look at the state of Britain's high streets, Perhaps George Osborne needs to weigh in too. There is still a recession on. <laughs> People don't have any money. And they'll come in and they'll say, I love this, I really want this, but all we hear at the moment is when you're going on sale. People don't have the money. So, if there's cautious optimism on Burnden Road, tempered with a bit of fear for the future, half a mile south, Heather Davis has been enjoying a slap-up feed while finding out what makes Lordship Lane such a vibrant destination. Lordship Lane is a, quite a long street and it's uh, got a big variety of shops. I took the shop on about five years ago and it was a bit of a gamble but it was real hope and it's been fantastic. It's an old-fashioned Victorian high street so it's sort of unique in a way because every other high street has been let go whereas I think here people have managed to keep it on track really. It was probably one of the nicest row of independent shops we've probably got left. Quite an eclectic mix, um, which makes it just a very good area. My name is David. I'm, I'm the manager at uh, William Rose Butchers, which is in Lordship Lane. Hello, I'm Robin Moxon. I own the Fishmongers Moxons on Lordship Lane. My name's Tim Sheehan, and I've got a restaurant called Franklin's and a shop called Franklin's. 
We do just seasonal British food, quite simply. The menu changes all the time, so we just cook what's in season, and in the shop we just sell what's in season. I'm trying to be as local as possible as well, so it tends to be all Kentish produce. It's got a different feel from the rest of London, this area. It's got a very, very different feel, and it's very relaxed. And, and in the week here, it's very calm, I and it's not a clone high street, which is very rare. You, and you've also got a few you know, quite swanky shops. You've also got shops where you can buy plastic buckets and for a quid and things like that, which we all use and we all go to. People come from quite a long way now as well. They come from a lot further south than sort of Beckenham and places like that. It's got a much bigger draw. Obviously, nobody had ever heard of East Dulwich before. You know, you've maybe seen the plough on the bus or something but other than that, I think it was a bit of an undiscovered bit of London, so it was there for the taking for something, but I think definitely a mixed bag. I don't, you know, it's still got that kind of mixed London thing about it. It's not just one specific demographic, it is quite mixed. 85% of our trade, 85 and probably 90% is all reoccurring trade. So everything is sort of, re, you know, relying that they'll come back each week. And you, you can't mess about them, you can't fool people. They know what they like, they know whether you're good or not. And that goes for a lot of the shops here as well, that includes the, the fishmongers and the greengrocers. You can plonk a cost of coffee anywhere you like. You, the, these shops survive on, on you guys that live in the area. Uh, it's what you demand, what you, what, you, what you expect of us or what you expect of your area. One of the real unusual things about Lordship Lane, there's virtually no parking restrictions, which is really, really rare. The shop has only been in, in East Dulwich for six years. We transferred because of the congestion zone. We was in Kennington Lane, um, south side of Oxhall Bridge, which made it impossible to work. But a lot of our customers, we had a big customer base that we delivered to in Dulwich. And they said, well, you know, come and time you come up here with us lot, so here we are. You can actually get parked here. You can park in the side streets. It makes it for a safer environment as well. Once you, you, you get controlled parking zones, um, it can actually become quite a dangerous area, which we've known from our past area where we come from. The people that supply us do not supply supermarkets. Uh, they're individual producers of very sort of high quality livestock, and that's from the beef, pork, and lamb. We've had the same suppliers probably not just this shop because we'd actually moved shop for 20 and 30 years. There's great consistency. People have got a lot of faith in what we sell. We're, we're very particular in what we sell as well, um, so that sets us a little bit apart. Well, quite a long way apart from supermarkets, which are geared up and mostly money-driven. We're not. We actually like to have a good product. The recession has been very, very good for us, and it's kept us very uh, consistent. And what happens is that people have got much more into eating at home. Yeah, people are just a bit more cautious with what they spend, and I think that if money's a bit tight and you're going to spend some, you want to spend it on good quality. We've been fortunate to be in a slight bubble here, but it's definitely affected what people spend, yeah. You know, like people that would maybe come two, three times a month now come once a month to the restaurant. But there's still people around spending money here. I think it's not, obviously not the same as the recession in the north or anything like that. You know, we're still spoiled Londoners, really. Quality first, service second, and the price in third. We're actually not extreme with our prices. I can send you to friends of mine that sell from the same producers that can be nigh on twice the price of ours. So, no, not always price, more quality. We'd rather sell you 12 ounces of mints of good mints and a pound of something that's not quite as good. The longest queue was just over 100 people. This wasn't on a Saturday, this was one Christmas and it was actually filmed and it went from the shop to the bus stop which is at the other end of Bassano Street. This actual shop started originally in 1862 as another company and has rolled on through the years. We haven't had great PR people pushing our company. We survive 
and 2,000 customers a week can't be wrong. It's a bit like the Volkswagen Beetle. If it wasn't any good, it wouldn't have sold the millions that it sold, and we wouldn't be here today if we, we, we didn't sell a good product at the right price. I think if you believe in what you're doing, then other people are going to believe in what you're doing as well. There's loads of people who give you plenty of advice on how, what, what you're doing wrong, and very few people will tell you what you're doing right. People find it very hard to go, do you, know, do you know what, I quite like that. Our only income is from customers, and so you've got to, uh, you've got to have people enjoy coming into the shop. I love the people around here. So loads of people stopping for a chat, and you know, it's look. There's people they've met each other and got married in the restaurant, had their wedding in here and stuff like that. It's a nice thing. You've been part of people's lives, haven't you? It's got to be a good thing. Thanks to Tim from Franklin's, Robin from Moxon's, and Dave from William Rose. It's great to see independent businesses thriving in south-east London. Next to the Dulwich Ukulele Club, the band were a highlight of this year's Dulwich Festival, headlining and curating the May Ball. Sarah Jane Griffiths went to meet them as they prepared for the show and the release of their very first album. Hi, I'm Richard, the founder of the Dulwich Ukulele Club, and this is where we are, in my kitchen, where the club was founded and where we rehearse. Hey, I'm Pete. And I'm Jules. And I'm Anna. I'm the drummer, percussionist, yeah. It'll be our sixth anniversary this Christmas. We formed for a friend's wedding because our mate was the best man, but he was too shy to make a speech. So we played Ring of Fire by Johnny Cash and changed the words to Jill and Paul fell into a burning ring of fire. <laughs> it worked quite well. Well, I liked that, so I carried on. I dragged everybody else along and made them join in. Eleven on a good day. attracted you to the ukulele in the first place? It's really, really easy to play. And as I've got no musical talent whatsoever. I guess the instrument kind of makes sense. It's got four strings and you've got four fingers. And also you end up sort of carrying it with you all the time because it's so portable. Some of us in the band are slightly older. It's a bit sad to be starting kind of guitar rock band at the age of kind of 40. And at least with the ukulele, you're not competing with 16-year-old kids who can play really amazing guitar. You're something different. Do you do most of your gigs in this area? Mainly in this area, yeah. But, I mean, we did Passing Clouds. That was an amazing, amazing gig. In Dalston. A yeah. ukulele festival called U. Clear meltdown. We played Surf Stock down in Cornwall, Royal Shakespeare Company. Sweet shops. I like the Nunhead Cemetery, excitingly gothic. We did the Night of 100 Ukes at Bestival in front of whatever 10,000 people. Yeah, opening for the Beastie Boys, that was quite exciting. It's really painful just waiting for Soul to Soul to finish their last song. <laughs> <laughs> we sort of kind of gathered together people as individuals and then sort of since then a few of them have kind of spawned off and started groups of their own. They took the baton and ran with it. We loved that, but we, we kind of got into stops playing covers at about the same time and started playing our own stuff. Do you know them? Is there like yeah, a no, rivalry that, that, between No, we don't do rivalry. If you want to get good and better, you need a bit of help. And you need people to play with, really, don't you? So what are you going to be playing at the festival? It's the first gig sort of after we've finished our, our album, kind of been building up over the last five years. Yeah, well, we're hoping it's going to move us forward in some way or other. I mean, that's what an album does, isn't it? So maybe we're a real band now. I mean, we've written about 40 songs. 50 songs, yeah. So all original material? Yeah, we sort of stripped all the kind of covers away. We've got this sort of original set of London songs. Got a song about Camberwell. We've got a song about the street party in Upland Road. We played it one year and then we wrote a song about it and played that song the next year at the street party. Upland Road. 
it's a very long road in East Dulwich and I live on it because there's a lot of musicians and things in the road. They had enough to fill up a music slot from 10 o'clock in the morning till 7 o'clock at night. What's your piece that you like close the set with? It depends how well the set's going. We've got a story style that's called Well Done Dulwich, this festival in Port Elliot. When I came off the stage there was a rather charming old gentleman in a white linen suit and he said, you come from the other part of Dulwich, don't you? I come from the village, but uh, well done, Dulwich, he went like that. So I thought that was a great idea for a song. So you obviously get very inspired by the area that you live in. Or uninspired by anything else, maybe, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> love songs are difficult. I wrote, we wrote a lot of love songs at first, didn't we? Then we noticed that no one liked them. What they really liked is the loud ones where we jump around a lot. Now I can't go back to Camberwell. Now you can't go back. The no, no. I'm Zedekaya and I'm the percussionist with the Dalid Ukulele Club and we are here in Lordship Lane outside St Thomas More Hall. About to do our May Day Ball headlining thing. It's been absolutely brilliant actually. I think the acts have been stunningly good. The uh, actionettes, fantastic. Yeah, no, no cars. cars. The Morris dancing group, yeah, yeah. Esperance. Esperance. Yeah, they were all Lady Morris dancing. That's great. So, do you guys suffer from nerves before you go on a tour? Are you just really excited and pumped? Nerves is all right. A bit of nerves is good. Once you get ready to play, I like to play. If there's any delay, then that's when the nerves start kicking in. But nerves are good. My main worry is the other bands have been so good. The band that are on there, No Cars, Japanese trio. They're they're warming them up already for us so few of the crowd know, know our set but there's a lot of people here that haven't seen us before. Yeah, there's a lot of strangers tonight aren't there? Yeah, yeah. A lot of strangers, yeah. It's exciting though, hopefully friends by the end. Uh, hopefully friends by the end. This also sort of celebrates your album. Yeah, as a club it's a little milestone for us. Maybe we get some airplay one day, you can never tell. Hey, that lot are off. So good luck. Yeah. I hope you have a lovely Dulwich Festival. Lovely. And so, what's next? A couple of beers. Beer. Beer is next. And what about the album then? When can we expect that? When we get the money into the bank account from this one, we are definitely going to print up the album. It's only around the corner. By June. That's a promise, yeah.